short prologue before we start the show. Mrs. Tango is out for this episode for reasons that we'll talk about. And Kate, who you may know from Wanderlust Swingers or what used to be Swinging Down Under, graciously agreed to fill in for Mrs. Tango for this episode. And I just wanted to say, you may notice an occasional uh, dropout or a little bit of static or something in the audio. And that is just because even though Kate uses a very high quality microphone and the sound is actually quite good for Skype, she is calling in from Croatia And so there's just a little bit of sound issues here and there that is just due to Skyping between the U.S. and Croatia. Thanks, and on with the show. We are back, and it seems like every time that we come back with our podcast, we're making apologies for being off the air so much. And once again, uh, we've gone through some family crisis. Mrs. Tango is off taking care of a family member, very dear family member, in crisis because that's the kind of woman she is. She will be back in a couple of weeks, but we wanted to go ahead and do a podcast. And we are incredibly pleased and tickled to have Kate from Wanderlust Swingers. Some of you may still think of them as swinging down under. So hello, Kate. G'day. How you doing? I I was going to just start and have you pretend like you were Mrs. Tango and have people wonder what in the heck happened with her voice. But But, Spend some time uh, down under, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> and we're going to talk all about, Kate, we do plan on going back to monthly. I know, I know our, our credibility is about zero on that. But we're going to do this one. Uh, it'll take me probably a few days to edit it and get it out. In October, we will do our review of the Motor Bunny that got sent to us that we've held off. And then in November, we will be uh, hopefully talking about our time at PCAP podcast of palooza and kate's going to tell us a whole bunch about that mrs tango did manage to record a short clip that she wanted to play to all our listeners before we start even though she can't be here today so here's mrs tango hey there this is mrs tango i wish i could be there with kate and mr tango to record but i'm away taking care of a family member that's in crisis I'll be going home in a week or so, and we'll get back to our regularly scheduled podcast topic of reviewing the Motor Bunny Buck. There's still a few more attachments to try out. We are planning on bringing it and our Sibian to Podcast Palooza in November, so if you want to try out either one of them, grab one of the few remaining rooms and join us. I hate leaving Mr. Tango to record without me like he did a couple years ago, in the episode titled One or More to Tango, but he's promised not to sing this time. I'm sure Kate will keep him from wandering off topic too much. So, Mr. Tango, will you ask Kate to please fill in for me on the intro? Kate, I will turn it to you for the intro. Can I just dance while I'm doing this? You can. Welcome, guys. It's Saturday, August 28th, and you're listening to Two or More to Tango. So for the few listeners who may not be familiar with you and your podcast, uh, Kate, could you just tell us a little bit about you and your hubby and your 
podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned it earlier, but we were swinging down under for a number of years. We started our podcast in 2015, shortly after we entered our journey into the lifestyle. And that was back when we were living in Australia. Now we live in Europe. So we decided to change the name. We're no longer swinging down under when our wanderlust swingers because we traveled the world and do our best to bring a lot of cultural differences, I guess, into the swinging lifestyle. And we talk about everything from breaking rules, a bit of foreshadowing there because we're going to talk about that soon. Um, We broke a rule. Uh, All the way to travel and sex and interviewing other people, but doing it with, I guess, a little bit of lighthearted cultural Aussie fun as best we can. I'm sure there are very few that listen here that don't listen to them, but you really should because it is a rare combination of good information uh, that doesn't sound like it's preaching and it will make you laugh out loud. There are a couple of podcasts that we have to be very careful listening to when we drive, which we do a lot. And that's Jane Angie of Average Swingers and Kate and Daryl on uh, Wanderlust. I still want to call you Swinging Down Under because they will crack you up. It's a very dry kind of humor. Uh, it truly for is. For Americans yes. in particular. When we lived in uh, England, I know there were times we would look at the TV and the comedy shows like a chicken watching card tricks. We just could not understand what they were talking about. <laughs> Do talk a little bit about uh, what is it. Uh, talk about your travels around the world a bit. Yeah, I mean, we actually just got done in Cap d'Arc in, in France. And uh, we haven't spoken about this on our podcast yet. But let me tell you, Mr. Tango, it is end of days shit down in Cap d'Arc. Um, this place is in the south of France and it's a 40,000 person nudist village that's typically open year round, but they have a seasonal events where a lot of swinging lifestyle people come in and we were there at this takeover and we arrived on Wednesday at the pool party and it takes a lot for Daryl and I to be shocked, right? Because we've <laughs> seen a lot over the years. We, we travel extensively. I, I don't know. We've been over to 30 countries now and we got, we got there, we went to the pool party and our drawers on the floor and then I realised there's probably cum all over the floor so I picked my jaw back up. <laughs> and uh, But no, it was interesting. We can't wait to talk about it but it's just so interesting how the different people around the world participate in swinging and, you know, right through India to Indonesia to Canada to the US, you know, to France, it's just interesting how everybody's still in this, I guess, hobby, this lifestyle together, but everybody approaches it just slightly different. And that's something that we are learning a lot about, but definitely, you know, taking some of those bits and pieces of information and then either making it our own and, or going, maybe that's not for, for us. And, uh, but yeah, so we just got done in France and. Was it, you, you mentioned that there's years. a lot of nudists. Was this a mix of nudists and swingers or was it the nudists took over? I mean, the uh, swingers took over. So it is interesting. We actually spoke to the host about that because historically this was built as a nudist village. And then during certain high peak seasons, the there's still the nudists there, but it changes to about, he said, 70 to 80% swinging lifestyle people um, that want to go there and they want to experience the freedom of going into a grocery store nude and buying, you know, your spaghetti and meatballs or whatever, you know, you can do a hell of a lot of things funny in a, in a supermarket <laughs> when you're nude. Um, Wait, there's a supermarket that's a part of this whole thing? Oh, it's a whole village. So there's actually a mayor of the village. Um, there's 6,000 accommodation on in within the village. And so once you enter the village itself, you can be nude. 
you don't have to be, it's up to you, but you can be nude once you enter the village. And that includes every single place within that village and the beach or wherever you are. And it's very freeing. So the only thing they do ask, obviously, when you go to a restaurant or a cafe or a bar, you are wearing either a sarong or a towel that you put down on the seat, obviously, because you're a nude. Right. So, but you, you can dine nude. It's just that convenience and the niceness of saying like, I'm not going to, you know, put all of my ness on the chair that you're probably going <laughs> to sit on after me. Uh, there must be a documentary or movie or something about that. It, it is actually really mysterious and secret. Um, we did some filming because you can't film technically on site with the people because everyone's nude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we did some filming of me standing up against backdrops and um, I'm putting that together now actually for, for YouTube where I talk a lot about the village and what to expect because up until now, it's a little bit of a mysterious beast. I've got to be honest, you know, you can go online and look at it, but as a swinger, you look at this nudist village and you go, okay, but where do I stay as a swinger? Where do I fit into this piece of the puzzle? And, um, and so that's what we're trying to kind of uncover is, well, if you want to go there and be nude, that's great. But here's where you would also go if you want to swing and meet people. So where, where does the, play occur i mean most events you have designated play areas <laughs> everywhere <laughs> really <laughs> okay no there's a few there's a few main places so i mentioned the pool party that we walked into on wednesday so around the pool there is um lounges and a bench and areas where people can hang out lay down that's where a lot of sex happens it happens all around the benches around these pool area and um, it happens there. There's a couple of clubs where you would go to. There is uh, La Glamour Beach, which is a very famous foam party that happens there. You can have sex anywhere you want there as long as it's not in the pool, um, just for hygiene reasons. And then along the beach, there's a certain part of the beach, which is it translates in English to the Bay of Pigs. Um, <laughs> and on that particular beach, you can also have sex in public too. So there are People do have sex everywhere. There's no doubt about that. But in certain areas within the nudist beach, as you can imagine, there's a lot of families there. So you wouldn't have sex on that part of the beach. You would mm -hmm. go to the area that's designated as, as a sex area. But within the parties, within these big resort takeovers, big hotel takeovers, the pool takeovers, uh, sex is everywhere, basically. You, you mentioned the difference. I mean, one, just, just for people that haven't listened to you yet, what is it that has caused you guys to travel as much as you have? Mostly work. Well, I mean, Australians generally, we're pretty open to travel. I mean, we live so goddamn far away from everything. I mean, we're an <laughs> island nation, you know. Everyone's like, oh, man, a, a lot, really high percentage of Australians have passports. And that's like, yeah, because there's nothing around. Like, we got to travel eight <laughs> hours if we want to get somewhere on a plane. So... I think inherently Asian, sorry, Asians, Australians like to travel. And from there, we've also been afforded opportunities within our jobs and certain roles we've taken over the years where international travel has been part of our job. Uh, the job that actually took us from Australia to Singapore because we lived in Asia for five years was a promotion that I And then now we're in Europe, in Croatia, and that's because of a job that Daryl took. So we've been privileged in that regard that we love to travel internationally ourselves just because we love to experience food, culture, new places. But also on top of that, we've had amazing opportunities with, with our work to travel internationally. So that's why we love it so much. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to keep doing that uh, as long as COVID maybe is on the decline. Fingers crossed. How long have you two been in the lifestyle? Since 2015. Yeah. So since we, 
It's six years. We think it's six years. Um, Daryl and I, it's mainly me. Uh, I am a bit loosey-goosey with dates. Um, I do know now. I've committed to memory when we got married. I don't know how long <laughs> we've been together for. I think it's about 12 years, maybe 11 or 12 years. We've been in a lifestyle for about six, so kind of half the half of the time that we've been together, initially starting as a monogamous couple and then moving into to non-monogamy. But it's around about that time. I don't know. I'm not taking any dates in. Did in it start when you were in Singapore? Actually, Australia. Okay. Yeah, so it started, uh, we moved from Brisbane to Sydney, and in Sydney we started our lifestyle journey and um, went to a couple of clubs there, went on dates there, and kind of really started to get into the community of Swinging Lifestyle down in Australia, and it's actually blossomed since we left. It's doing really well down there. And then we moved to Asia, and then we had to kind of find our feet in a brand new country, and that comes with its own barriers, you know, cultural, yes, but then finding people that, approach the lifestyle the same way you do. So it's interesting. Yeah, because you're talking, I, mean, I can imagine you go into a club and there's a bunch of people who have just a general difference in culture anyway. And then you add on the part that we all kind of struggle with sometimes, which is trying to approach people that you want to have sex with. And then you add on the cultural part on top of that. And uh, I would probably do something that would be highly offensive, like scratch my nose on the wrong side or something, and then never see them again. If you, if you, if you take a look at all the countries you've been in, what are some of the countries that you think are the most? If you were gonna, if you just wanted to pick a place to live purely because of the lifestyle piece, where would that be? That's an interesting question because I haven't been to Canada yet. Uh, we are going in November this year, actually. So holiday, all my Canucks. We haven't been, but in my mind, I just think that Toronto, for some reason, is a mecca. You know, I mean, it's so LGBTQIA positive. It has a lot of clubs in it. They have, you know, nude bike riding once a year. I think they raise money for that. So for some reason in my head, I think Toronto, but out of all the places we've been around the world, definitely the U.S. has a lot of clubs and it really has a lot of places where you can openly experience the lifestyle, which might surprise a lot of Americans, particularly people that, that live in certain states or certain areas. Uh, but for us, it's having those clubs to go to, having a space where you can truly be yourself is is an amazing asset. If you look at Asia there's so many countries in Asia where swinging is illegal. To participate in a swinging lifestyle is, is illegal and it will land you in jail. And actually, in, even in certain countries to have a sex toy in Cambodia, for example, it's illegal. And uh, so for us to think about the places we've been around the world, definitely Europe is also a fantastic place in terms of being just so liberal with sex. But the US, the clubs there are fantastic. And, and so I don't know. Somewhere between Toronto and, and somewhere in, in the States with a lot of clubs. That does surprise me a little bit because um, it can be so difficult for people. I mean, for Mrs. Tango and I, for us to be outed would be a crisis, and it did happen to us once, and that was the cause of about a year of strife for us. And I would think that, there are places in Europe that are just so much more open about sex in general that where you would not have to hide your uh, Correct. being in the lifestyle. Uh, yeah, and actually, well, it's, it, it is interesting that you talk about that because I think particularly in your circumstance, one, and we obviously know with the Mr. and Mrs. Jones from We Got a Thing, similar thing happened there. What we know is that some countries in Europe 
have the ability to, it's a protected thing that you do. It's it's protected as in LGBTQI is protected. And as in so legally. is Exactly. And so is what you do in your personal bedroom. So in places like, say, Denmark, it is very open there. Oh, you have sex with other people on the weekend, whatever, but where's my quarterly report? It's, it's, it's to do about nothing mm-hmm. there. So those places are fantastic, you know, um, and the clubs there kind of represent that as well. Here in Croatia, we only have the one club and it's, it's a great club. Um, and it is a little bit, I don't think people would much care here, but again, religion does play a very large part of people's cultural, yeah. I guess, position here in Croatia and, and certainly around the Balkan region. And so it does depend on where you go. And I know that's definitely a big part of the United States as well, but it's, yeah, I think probably if you're looking at places where you could truly be yourself in your business and not have to worry about being out at it, it'd probably be somewhere like Denmark because they just mm-hmm. go, oh, I don't care. You're making your figures, you're doing your job whatever. Well, let's, let's switch over to podcast of Palooza because of stuff going on. We weren't able to make the one in Miami, but we have one coming up in Dallas that we're signed up for. Uh, could you just basically assume that people that are listening don't know what it's about, that they're stuck in a hole somewhere with no social media and uh, tell them what it's about. And also if there's uh, any rooms left for anybody who listens and decide they want to come. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me first start with one of the common misconceptions with which we got an email the other day. I, I don't have a podcast. Can I come to podcast a palooza? Uh, <laughs> so maybe the naming convention wasn't great on my part, but uh, the reason we named it that way is because it is a multiple day kind of festival interactive uh, session that we wanted to kind of put on. But essentially at its core, it's a multiple day hotel takeover. So we always take over exclusive events. We always want to have this curated environment so we don't do things like day passes because we really, truly want people to build these relationships once they get on site. And we have a core group of hosts, which are content creators, either podcasters or bloggers. And then on top of that, we bring other entertainers or other sex positive people to come and do talks or presentations or instructional seminars. And then, of course, at nighttime, we we party. We have different theme nights. We bring in entertainers, different international DJs, visit local clubs, have playrooms on site, kind of run the whole gambit, but it is centered around that edutainment is what we call it. So it's not necessarily education in terms of sitting in a classroom. It's from very passionate people, but it kind of runs between, okay, you've got a passion and we're going to talk about the sex positive realm, but maybe it's about shibari or maybe it's about intimacy with your partner or flirting or how to set up your playroom, all of these different things. But essentially that's what it is. And we created it back in 2016 was my original thought idea. And it took a couple of years to kind of come into its own. And uh, and now we're, yeah, we're going to Dallas in November 5th through the 8th. And we have, I think, nine rooms left. How in the world do you manage something like that that's being put on in a different country? (laughs) How do you manage Uh, that from afar? I actually have a project manager background. And so a lot of people ask me that question. They're like, how, how do you do this? And I'm used to traveling internationally. I'm used to looking after multiple regions with that project management scope. So for me, it just kind of comes naturally, but I can understand when people are like, I don't understand how you're booking the coffee cart coming in on Saturday morning from eight to 10 when you're living in Croatia. Like, how does that happen? Uh, And you just reach out to people and you have meetings. I had a fantastic meeting actually with, um, I can't announce it yet, but we have a fantastic rigor 
and Rope Master coming in for our Dallas event. And this individual is super passionate. We had a one and a half hour Skype conversation the other day. And I'm excited to announce this person is going to be joining us for two rope sessions plus an interactive performance art piece. And you just reach out and you have these meetings and then hopefully they're aligned with your mission statement and you with theirs and then you can create something magical. Uh, Jenny and Corey, I hope you're listening because if you heard the rope thing, uh, there's still some rooms left. <laughs> uh, that's the couple that introduced Mrs. Tango to rope play and, and shocked her that she actually enjoyed that. I, we've had some emails from some couples because we have mentioned on Twitter that we're, we're coming to this. And we've had some emails from some couples that have said, we're newbies. We are wanting to stick our toes in the lifestyle. Is this something that would be okay for us or would it be too much? Should we stick our toes a little bit more before we come to something like this? Look, it is, I mean, obviously from my perspective, when you talk to an event organizer, most of the time they can be like, Oh hell yeah. Like calm, you know, we're the best thing ever. I would do your research. My, my position has always been do your research on the intent and the mission of the event that you're going to, because look at the end of the day, this is a lot of money and time commitment to come. So something like this, this kind of event our event or other events. And in Miami, we had actually 40% of our attendees were within the first year of their lifestyle journey. So what we call newbies to the lifestyle. And that shocked me. Initially, I was expecting about 20%, but we mm-hmm. had 40%. And for me, two things happens there. I'm like, wow, that's fantastic. And I can't wait for people to interact with these people and share their own journey. Because it's not about me. It's not about the host. It's about everybody else that's attending and them sharing their journey. But the second part of that is I go, this is make or break for that person's lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. I don't take that. I take that very seriously because if they come to our event and it's a dud or it's not for them, that could potentially ruin their lifestyle. So it's humbling that a lot of people want to come to our events for the first time. We are very welcome, non-judgmental, no pressure, of course. And the people are absolutely fantastic. But Yeah, it's a lot of responsibility for me. So we would love to have new people join us, absolutely. And if you have any questions, you know, there's so many people that you can ask, but please feel free to shoot me a message. I've actually Skyped with a few people that have been unsure about attending and we would love to have you. But also if not, I'm happy to give you guys information about the lifestyle and hotel takeovers in general, some red flags, some green flags and send you on your way. There's an app if you sign up for this, uh, there is an app that, that has been set up where there's a community of people that are attending that are talking back and forth with each other. And I really get the perception from chatting with those folks that if you, my two cents is if you've never played with anybody before, it might be a little overwhelming. I know that Mrs. Tango and I went to a club for the very first time and played with a couple about six weeks before our first naughty in New Orleans, just to make sure that if we did play with somebody, it wouldn't be a disaster. And we find out that's not for us, but it was extremely overwhelming. And part of that was there were just thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I do get the sense with this group though, that if, if, you, if your journey is fairly new in the lifestyle and you come here, there's going to be a number of people that are going to take you under their wing. Um, or just new people that are in the same, same boat as you. We actually have two couples signed up right now that are actually not in the lifestyle. Really? They, yep. They, they, they like to be around people that are non-judgmental. They like to be around people that are happy to have a conversation. 
and they do not swap, they do not play, they don't identify as swingers at all, but they're definitely coming to our event in in Dallas uh, in November. So it truly, you know, finding the right tribe is is a big thing and you'll hear that on so many podcasts and read it in so many blogs, but the, the question is how do you find that tribe? You know, trial and error is there, but it is a big commitment. So right. I think that, you know, one of the ways that you can do that is through understanding the mission statement of the event host understanding the type of people that are going and maybe asking for some reviews of previous events. Those are all ways that you can, I guess, ensure that it's going to, it's going to be for you or hopefully as close to being for you as possible. And there are, if you're listening, uh, there are a number of podcasts out there that, that uh, where people talk about podcast of Palooza in Miami. Um, so you could listen to those and get a feel for the kind of things going on. I don't know how much different than this one will be in Dallas than it was in Miami. It's so we have two events. We have a water event and a city based event. So Dallas is different in that it's not centered around the pool beach lifestyle. Instead, we're doing things like drag brunches and the shibari lessons. And in shibari, that when they bring out a big plate of food, is is, is that a shibari board? No, but I'm I'm hungry now. Uh, so thanks for that. Shatru. And I just realized I've forgotten that, what that is. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I didn't eat. Now, now you've got me wondering I now totally too. Totally distracted you. Go ahead. <laughs> but so it is. It is different in regards of how the event is set up, but it's still going to have the same flavor of Podcaster Palooza. And honestly. One of our taglines is curated yet spontaneous. And a lot of people are like, hold on a second, that doesn't make sense. And the reason being is because we have little things that we've set up along the way. But when you come, it's more interactive. And some of the things you have absolutely no idea they're going to take place. And little giveaways or freebies or interactive sessions that you don't know are going to happen. And I honestly, I'm a little bit terrified of hosting Dallas because the people in Miami were so fantastic. The attendees were some of the best people I've ever interacted with. And I want to make sure that Miami is a replication of that in attendees and people are just so lovely. It's humbling and terrifying at the same time. Speaking of terrifying, let me bring up the elephant in the room on events uh, of any kind like this. Can you talk about the whole issue of COVID, COVID measures, et cetera, for this event? 100%. And actually happy to talk about that, Mr. Tango. One of the things that we have been very transparent about is COVID protocols. And in fact, in 2020, we originally postponed our event and, and subsequently actually cancelled it and, and refunded everybody 100% because we felt that it wasn't safe to put the event on, which is why Miami took two, almost two and a half years to actually put the event on from, from its inception to when it actually happened. So with COVID, it is a moving target. We all know that. And one of the things that we do try to be is very transparent. So on our website, we have a news and updates section, and we are always posting information in there about what we're doing with our event or things that are changing in terms of COVID protocol. So Miami, for example, we actually had a timeline where we were saying, okay, if you're coming to our event, please self-isolate 14 days before if you're vaccinated, that's fantastic. And I think about 85% of our attendees were vaccinated. The others had said they've got antibodies. We then further offered things like free testing on site, the rapid testing. Mm-hmm. Those are about $50 cost each, but we offered them as a, as a free option. 
And we will likely do the same thing in Dallas. So we have a number of different contingency plans that we will engage depending on where we sit in November. So, of course, this is late August. Delta is a very serious very real situation for us. So coming into November then, we will continue to reassess and decide which contingency plan we sit in and whether that's something like vaccinations required or rapid test required, which again, if we're going to make that barrier to entry, it's going to be free and on us. Um, mm. We want to make sure that people are willing to and able to take that. Uh, so those are just some of the things that we will be uh, doing. Aside from that, all of our security personnel, entertainers, the hotel staff, et cetera, have to be vaccinated. Um, so those are just some of the things that we look at when we get closer and then we make the call. And if honestly, worse comes to worse, we will do the same thing that we did last year. I think our track record has been good with that, which is just to refund people and um, take the hit and start again if we decide that it's too unsafe. But at the moment, you know, we're hopeful. Yeah, I think the trend, particularly with the with the vaccination being so easy to get, um, and just about everybody that we know is vaccinated, um, I I don't anticipate that being a problem. Uh, you, we've talked about this being in November, but you haven't mentioned the dates yet. Oh, it's the fifth through to the eighth. So our events are always on a Friday, and we depart on a Monday. But 30% of people tend to come in at least a day early. And I know Mr. and Mrs. Tango are definitely coming in a day early because you've got so much stuff that you need to pack <laughs> the way. I've already alerted the concierge. Um, they're going to charge you an extra $20 on your way in. Uh, so interestingly, though, it's funny because when people go to hotel takeovers and Naughty in New Orleans is no different, people always send to come in a day early and it's so they can get kind of settled and then maybe they'll come in two days early because they're like, oh my God, people are coming in and our friends are going to be here. And we're seeing a similar trend with PCAP where 30 to 40% of people are coming in the day early. And then of course I've got then 30 couples, so 60 people going, cool, what are we all doing? And so in Miami, we had to make arrangements for a club visit and we had like two stripper pole buses that took us up. Um, so it just kind of tends to tends to grow a little bit, which is it's interesting to me that people get so excited about coming in, coming in early. Because for me, I'm running around the hotel with frazzled hair, sweating and not looking my best because I'm arranging the hotel takeover and everyone's like, hey, you want to have a drink? Uh, you know. <laughs> Do you get to actually enjoy the event at all or are you in nonstop work mode? I assume Daryl's coming. He is not. No, okay. he's, he surprised us in, in Miami. Uh, he flew in as a little surprise for me. But it's this is a hard one to answer because I would say that, yeah, I got some time to have enjoyment in Miami. But I, I think that if you were watching me, you might have had some other um, interpretations of my time there. <laughs> I, it was a lot. Um, Miami was a lot for me. There was a lot of last minute things that took place. Um, we had a lot of suppliers skip out on us that we'd prepaid in the days before. So we had to scramble to find new suppliers. With Dallas, I'm hiring help because I want to be able to attend seminars. I want to be able to spend time with the people that are coming. More time, you know, in, in Miami, we did get, I did get to spend some, some time, but it for me, it didn't feel like enough. So for Dallas, I'm hiring local uh, event assistants and I'm giving them the full run sheet basically and I'm to be alerted if there's a big problem or I'll be alerted with security uh, security personnel. But aside from that, I'm hoping to really enjoy the event as well. If you will mention the website where people can go and then I'll put that in our show notes also. 
Yeah, sure. So it's podcast-a-palooza.com. Okay, perfect. Uh, outside of that, uh, YouTube been in the lifestyle five or six years. I think people listening are thinking of YouTube like uh, movie stars traveling all over the world, going to sex clubs everywhere. Daryl dressed like James Bond going into to one of the casinos. Uh, our last two episodes, we introduced, we interviewed four different, very different couples about their sexual fantasies. Do you have any sexual fantasies that you have not realized? Or are you guys just so experienced in travel? There's nothing that you've fantasized about that you haven't been able to do. I'm hitting her fun cold fact. with this. <laughs> oh, fun fact. This is actually how we got into the lifestyle. So we were sitting at home in Sydney. I don't know. I'm going to be very dramatic. And I'm going to say it was a dreary Sunday afternoon. <laughs> no, we were sitting at home and, and Daryl and I, we do a lot of hypothetical questions to each other, but we also take each other to task a lot. And he came home one day after work and he was like, listen, what are your sexual fantasies? And I had no answer for him. And this is exactly how we got into the lifestyle. I had no answer. I was dumbfounded. I didn't know what pleasure really meant to me. I didn't understand what fantasies meant to me because I didn't think that that was something you really thought about. So then I Googled because I'm very OCD, type A personality. I Googled like top 20 fantasies and swinging come up. So that's how we got into it. But to answer your question, I still don't know the answer to that bloody question. It is... <laughs> I'm, we've seen a lot, we've done a lot, we're yeah. experiencing as much as we can, but it's not something. But there's not something I, that you look at and go, you know, that looks really interesting and fascinating, but I've just not been able to pull the trigger yet. You don't strike no. me as a person with any fear. Uh, oh, I have a lot of fears. I'm also, you know, my self-esteem is horrible sometimes. And I think it's important to normalize that. It's important to normalize the fact that you don't have fantasies or that you don't feel great or whatever. But yeah, for me, it's, I, I honestly don't know. Something will happen and I'll be like, oh, that, that was actually really hot or that's interesting and sexy. Um, because I think maybe right now, because we've been a little bit um, void of it for so long, yeah. an orgy would be great. Um, I would love that. We haven't had one in a long time. So I think my sexual fantasies right now are replaying some of the amazing experiences I've had and going, oh, that hasn't happened in two years, like, mm -hmm. thanks, COVID. So for me, that's probably where it's at right now. Is I, I, it's like what you were saying before, you reminisce about the past and go, oh, that was fantastic. I would like to do that again, please. Anything else uh, that I haven't asked you that I should have asked you about PCAP? I mean, nothing about PCAP really, but we... In the forums, we do see a lot of people saying, should I go to this club or should I go to this event or should I go to this resort? Mm -hmm. And there's a common questions. And it's so hard to answer because every event resort party is so different. And they are all, I think, catered to a very different group of people in the lifestyle. So I think one of the things is that if you stumble upon our event, for example, and it's not for you, go and do some research and find something that you think is going to match you, whether that be mm -hmm. that you're more interested in the hot wifey lifestyle, whether you want an all-inclusive resort in the Caribbean or something like that, whether you want to go to Jamaica, you know, it's there's so much out there, but sometimes that information is actually difficult to find. And so what I would say to the people listening, they're like, oh, gosh, I really want to go to something like this, but that doesn't seem like my interest. 
I wonder if they've got something like this. Reach out to people like the tangos, like the average swingers, like we got a thing, a bunch of different resources, and see what else is out there and have a have a look and, and figure out if it's actually going to match what it is that you're looking in the lifestyle. Because I can guarantee you, whatever your niche is, whatever your interest is, there's probably an event out that's actually catering to you specifically. I think that's really good advice. And I, I tell people, and for some reason we have a... a even though we've been doing this since 2014, I guess, we, we do have a lot of listeners that are relatively new. And one thing I tell them, if you go to an event, if you go to a club, it is really easy because we fell into this to go in with a goal. And if we didn't hit that goal, then it was going to be a failure. And we felt the pressure. Our first naughty in New Orleans you know, it was like there's so many people around, and if we don't play with this many people, there must be something wrong with us or it's a failure, yep. as opposed to just saying there are so many fun, sexy people around. I'm just going to enjoy the atmosphere and let what happened happen. Um, I We tell people all the time that, that get in touch with us directly, and they're going to a club for the first time. And I tell them, don't expect to play with another couple the first time mm-hmm. you go to a club. That's really hard. Oh, it is. It is, absolutely. And, I mean, the, these are the kind of red flags, I think, in terms of the actual event itself, red flag. But also, as you said before, your expectations are a huge red flag. And, I mean, it's it's interesting. So uh, my question to you, because I'm going to flip the switch. Yeah. What, what red flags do you think exist in going to a club or going to an event when, when Mr. and Mrs. Tango rock up what red flags have you seen maybe in your past that you've managed to actually navigate around now just purely because of your experience in the lifestyle? Yeah, I think, you know, number one is insecurity. Um, I think sitting in a corner just hoping that somebody would come up and talk to us, um, I think that's very, very, very common. You know, it starts out fear of rejection. I think over the years it's it's – I think for us, it is harder for us to tell somebody else no than it is to hear no. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Mm, yes, I would agree. <laughs> I would agree with that, actually. And and you don't want to say yes to something that uh, just because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. But if you're in the lifestyle, if, if you don't get told no, then you're probably not um, interacting as much as you there. want to, right? <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, going to a club or going to an event and treating it like a video game where you're going to try to get a high score and achievement, I think that's a major red flag. I think just looking and judging, looking at the app for, for Podcast of Palooza and we see the, the pictures that people are posting of themselves. And Mrs. Tango says, I need another two years to work out because there are some really, really model-looking people there. And I think a lot of people feel like, particularly if you're looking at the pictures, you know, if you look at the pictures of desire places, everybody looks like a model. Mm-hmm. And I, I, think, I think most people have a bit of a body image issue anyway. Yep. And, and I like the fact that you said people, not, not females, not women, because we are, Daryl and I, big advocates of the fact that it's, it's people, everybody yeah. maybe doesn't feel so great about themselves. Yeah, I think men tend to, uh, uh, I'm going to overgeneralize, I think that uh, most men try to, aren't as open about their fears as the women are. But I, yeah, I, I think the big red flag is if you go to something like this, 
you're never going to find, I, I think one of the things, talking about body image, one of the things that really caused us to realize the lifestyle was for us, and it is more than a sex thing. The sex part's really fun, is our first podcast, I mean, our first uh, Naughty New Orleans that we went to, we went to one of the bar takeovers, and it was packed the way that Naughty New Orleans was. Mm-hmm. And there were women that were getting up on stage with a DJ and dancing and taking all their clothes off. And there was a woman that got up there, and she must have been 340 pounds. That crowd cheered her yep. as if she were a supermodel. And Mrs. Tango said to me, you know, I don't think you'd have gotten that same response if you were in a non-lifestyle environment. Uh, people are people. You're always going to have a Gaussian curve of people with people on the extremes. And there mm-hmm. are going to be some jerks in the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Correct. But I think in general, it is a very, very accepting, welcoming community, don't you? I um, I couldn't agree more. We actually had one of the attendees of Podcaster Palooza write to me and say, about the photos, you know, there's some really beautiful people in this group and there definitely are. And personally, I also look at some of those photos and I go, gosh, I don't, these people are fantastic. And I personally would love to spend some quality time with them, but there's a part of me that goes, I'm, I'm not good enough. And I tell you what, hundred percent, I can tell you right sitting here, Mr. Tango, that that is my shit because I have talked to a lot of these people very personally and we might send messages backwards and forwards on other apps. You know, we're actually in, in contact together. And these people are so wonderful that it makes me go, that's my shit because I can tell you now that there's been no interaction uh, in that regard and intimacy-wise, but I don't think that they there wouldn't be a barrier to that. It's just It's just myself, myself putting them on a platter and going, I'm not good enough. And recently, especially with going to this nudist village, I received some very nasty comments about my appearance um, and particularly about my photos because you said there are jerks in the lifestyle about four weeks before we went to Cup Dog and I was going to be nude there. And there were moments leading up to that where I was thinking to myself, I am not good enough and I my body is this. I've got love handles here. Gosh, my thighs have gotten big during COVID. Fucking thank you for that. That's just the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> and, and I went there and I thought, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get naked. I don't know if I'm going to be able to actually feel sexy and feel like a sex goddess. And I went there and I looked around the room, like you said about this lady up there dancing on stage, and it was very healthy to see 40,000 naked bodies of varying shapes and sizes that just exist and are just living their best life. And so to the people that always ask me questions, is the lifestyle for me, am I too old? Am I too fat? Insert negative self-talk here. My answer is always yes. You can find your tribe, your niche. And if you go to these places, people are bloody lovely. It's very rare you get a jerk. Um, and when they do, maybe it takes a little bit of a realization that that shit's on them and it's nothing to do with you. And I've, I've also seen um, both in Twitter and in events, some people that are acting like jerks. And I've seen the lifestyle crowd kind of try to call them out. <laughs> you know, uh, people you actually, you actually cut out there for a second, Mrs. Hango. Yeah, I, I, I was just gonna, I was just saying that uh, I have seen 
the very rare couple or person that's a jerk, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's at an event. And it's interesting how the rest of the lifestyle world tries to cull them out of the herd. Um, that is really not oh, an yeah. acceptable behavior in the lifestyle. Absolutely not. We always say that the lifestyle is self-policing. And, and Daryl says this often because if you think about the women, say you're at a club and let's just say for argument's sake, there's 30 women, 30 men at the club because we're trying to make it easy here. And one of the women feels put out by a comment that one of the men has made. I tell you now, they're going to be nobody playing that night because that lady that feels uncomfortable and put out is going to then all the other people in the room are going to go, well, hold on a second, this is not okay. And they'll self-police it and take that person out that's made the horrible comment. Because if somebody ruins the environment and the sexy fun and the sensualness of it, it's ruined for everybody. So we always say it's self-policing because the minute that somebody's a jerk, you can be damn well sure there's going to be one, two, three, four people that's going to instantly go, you know what, get out and mm-hmm. then come to that person's side and say that person's a jerk. Don't let them affect your evening. So, yeah, self-policing. And I, that may go kind of back to uh, there was a couple that we knew in, in New Orleans at Naughty that they kept flirting with us. And we think we thought that, okay, this we got to know them and we thought, okay, this is something. And then... Mrs. Tango was talking with her and found out it wasn't just them using an excuse because they were scared to tell us no. And they've never played with anybody, but they come to these events purely because they love the atmosphere and the people and the lifestyle. And it's an opportunity for them to just feel sexual. It is hard for people to understand sometimes how much the chat after you've played with a couple and you're just laying there talking how amazing that can be. And I think some of our very, very best lifestyle friends that we consider family that have come and visited us are people that we've never played with and probably never will play with. And yet the the friendship is open in a way that I don't think it can be outside the lifestyle. Oh, 100%. We've been lying there, you know, post-sex, naked on the bed. And, you know, what I spoke about before about us liking this couple and thinking maybe you know, they're, they're better than us, which is just an insane, insane concept, but let's roll with it. We've been lying there after and gone, you know what? I actually thought that I was, you know, to, again, insert negative talk right. for you. And they go, we thought we were too lame for you. We, <laughs> you know, we thought you guys were going to turn us down. And it's just ridiculous. You've got these four amazing humans, lovely people, you know, would give you the shirt off their back right. in this room and all going, oh, I didn't think I was good enough. And, you know, yeah, it's, we're all we're all kind of human, aren't we? Yeah, we really what, is it they, what is it they say? You you miss a hundred percent of the swings you don't take, or something like some sports. Re- I mean, sports. Yay, sports. Um, some <laughs> sports reference. I am looking at the clock, and we have have spoken for a while, so I probably ought to shut this thing down. I once again, Go I it, it means a lot to to me and Mrs. Tango that you've sat in with us on this. We really oh, appreciate it. Again, give us your, uh, your contact information for your podcast and for Podcast of Palooza again. Yeah, so if you guys want to find us, honestly, the websites are the easiest because they've got all the other links there. And so it's just wanderlastswingers.com or if you want to come to Podcast of Palooza, it's podcast-a-palooza.com. And we'd love to see you. If you can't make Dallas, if you can't make 2021, there's always 2022, so sign up to our newsletter. But it's been fantastic. So thank you. And, Mr. Tango. Uh, 
and we want and we want to thank uh, all of you listeners who have held in there with us. It has been very humbling the amount of email, the amount of direct messaging that we've gotten as we have been so sporadic because of all the lifestyle. And it really means a lot to us that a lot of you have hung in there with us, and we hope to get going on a regular basis again. Our Twitter is two or more to tango with a two. Our website is two or more to tango.com, T-W-O. And I think that's all the contact information you need for us. And again, we want to thank Kate for uh, joining us. And with that, good night. See you later. Thank you so much. We didn't no dramas. Have, we didn't have nearly the bloopers that I fully expected us to have. <laughs> yeah, when you were like, oh, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. I was like, dude, give me some fucking credit up in the house. <laughs> <laughs>